today on the wrestling podcast about nothing take a break from binging on netflix and listen in as we reveal wrestling's strangest things you talking about yourself mike because uh mike mills has been revealing some very strange things about you on twitter this week uh thanks to you uh also brian this week We'll talk about a very awesome thing that happened last Monday on Raw, plus your promo about nothing and so much more. But first, tell him, George. I think I can sum up the show for you with one word. Nothing. Wrestling fans, there are millions and millions of podcasts out there, but there's nothing like this one. Do you ever just get down on your knees and thank God that you know me and have access to my dimension? This is the wrestling podcast about nothing. Nothing? Nothing. Welcome to the wrestling podcast about nothing episode 167, a production of Crackpot Podcasts. My name is Mike Crockett. I'm a longtime independent wrestling referee in the Northeast, currently on an extended hiatus from the ring. And joining me, as always, is a veteran of the New England Independent Mat Wars. Now, he is a contracted Ring of Honor wrestler. He is Mr. Inside Edition. He is one half of the Bouncers. He is Brawler, the Baller, Malonis. Hey, Mike. It's going on two weeks in a row. You've showed up for work. I appreciate it. Well, yeah, this is my gig, right? <laughs> It's nice of you. It's nice of you to show up. Well, I mean, it is nice of me to show up after the uh, 4th of July we had, right? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Lots of, uh, well, I mean, yeah, lots of beer, lots of steak, lots of sausage. Hot dogs. Yeah, I could take a leave hot dogs. So there's a fairly good chance I didn't have any hot dogs. <laughs> what, what do you mean? What do you mean there's a fairly good chance you didn't? <laughs> oh, because this is live Monday morning. Right, 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 right. Uh, no, we are recording just before the 4th uh, to pull back the curtain, as we tend to do. Haven't exactly gone through the whole festivities yet, but I'm hoping and praying that we keep all of our fingers this year. Mike, I got a, I got a fridge full of cold beer and cold meat right now. Wow, and that's going to go uh, up in smoke in the next couple <laughs> day or two. Yeah. I'm sure, uh, you know, I will be standing in front of the grill with a pair of tongs and a nice uh, spatula. Suck the cook apron. <laughs> yes, from my from the 1999 uh, World Wrestling Federation catalog. <laughs> yeah, uh, Mike, I know you don't follow current pro wrestling, and you certainly don't follow my pro wrestling career at all. But did you see the bombshell dropped by Ian Riccoboni on Twitter this week or last week? I should say I did, Brian. Why don't you share it with the people? Because uh, you, you, you could, you, you, it's better if you share it than me. Because <laughs> I'm not even sure that you actually know. <laughs> and you're, just, you're just trying to cover. <laughs> I, I don't know. Why don't you see if you can explain it to me? <laughs> you're like uh, George Costanza with risk management. Yes, exactly. Okay, go, Brian. Go. Big oh, news. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. The, the big news is that the bouncers are getting their World Tag Team, their Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championship shot at Mass Hysteria, Sunday night, July 21st. And that'll be against the winner of the New York Street Fight, or the Manhattan Street Fight, I should say, between the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions, the Gorillas of Destiny, and the Briscoe Brothers. 
So you don't know who it's going to be yet, but it is going to be for the World Tag Team Championship in your home away from home, Lowell, Massachusetts. Yeah, I've won a championship or two in Lowell, haven't I, Mike? Quite a few. <laughs> Probably just about all of them. <laughs> I don't think this one will be as easy as uh, winning the New England Championship from Tony Omega. <laughs> maybe maybe not quite. Uh, do you think it'll pale in comparison to winning the Catholic Wrestling Heavyweight Championship from, from Tommy Pinmanship? Ooh, that's going to be close. But that's exciting, I think. I was, uh, yeah. I've been sitting on that for a while, so I was happy that uh, Ian uh, let the cat out of the bag and that now I can speak freely about it. Uh, obviously very excited to really be coming home, you know, uh, you know, home to the New England area with Ring of Honor. Of course, I, you know, I perform uh, um, on you know, local independence and whatnot, but it's, but it's still very special to come home with Ring of Honor and uh, – to, I mean, really, Mike, this is, I mean, I, I feel like we're saying this every few months on this podcast, but I mean, the biggest match of my career. Yeah, and uh, maybe I actually will have to be there on the 21st. <laughs> well, that, I mean, that would be awfully nice of you. I don't want to, I don't want to impose, I mean, ask you to come watch me wrestle for free of charge. See an amazing show. <laughs> you uh, got the hookup, brother? Yeah, like you've ever paid. When was the last time you actually paid for a a wrestling ticket? Oh, it's been a little while. I learned from the best, Brian. I learned from the best. Well, it's not me. <laughs> You're not learning from me. No. Who, Rich, uh, Rich Palladino? <laughs> <laughs> among others, among others. <laughs> yeah. The, the I've heard about that on Let the Chaos Begin. The the brother discount. <laughs> yes yeah how do you get that <laughs> no i kid i kid i've gotten uh, you know i i have um you know good friend uh good friends of ours uh have taken care of uh my family on numerous occasions very grateful for that and and very appreciative of uh of uh having good friends who uh, haven't forgot where they came from and willing to do nice things for their buds so i think that's kind of what uh that's what it's all about right buddy yeah, and I think we'll talk about a couple of them in a few minutes here. <laughs> you're, you're probably going to talk about uh, the oh yeah, both both of these fellows have gotten me some free tickets. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, so after we recorded last episode of the wrestling podcast about nothing, you had your chaotic wrestling championship match, the three way with you, JT Dunn, and the champion Christian Casanova, and. Peering here through the wonders of the internet, I'm seeing that you don't have a championship belt on your shoulder as we're speaking. I don't, but it took two men to beat me, Mike. Two men to beat me and pin me. Is that how it happened? Yeah, that's exactly how it happened. Was that on the booking sheet? (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) Or you want to keep yourself strong? I've got to, of course. I'm on television. I'm a television star. (laughs) So no chaotic wrestling championship, no fourth chaotic wrestling championship uh, in your trophy case, Brian. But no, I, I'd say it's a pretty safe bet that uh, the old kingpin, now brawler, has probably seen the chaotic wrestling heavyweight championship for the last time. So, spoiler alert: in case I get any future title shots, uh, probably not coming back to me. <laughs> wow. I mean, let's be fair here. I mean, come on. You've got your eyes on a higher prize. No, I just don't make every chaotic wrestling show. I'm unable to, so they're not going to put the belt on me, Mike. Duh. Oh, I see. (laughs) Wrestling's fake, bro. (laughs) (laughs) So the night after that, Brian, you were back in Philadelphia, the 2300 Arena, the former ECW Arena, for the six-man tag team match that we previewed on the last episode. You were teaming with Jay Lethal, the franchise, if you will, of Ring of Honor, against all three members of the kingdom, including the world champion, 
Matt Taven. How did that thing go? Spoilers. <laughs> no spoilers, but you won't have to wait long to see it. So uh, not only was I on Ring of Honor television this past weekend, you'll be able to see me next weekend on Ring of Honor television in this very match that you speak of. So uh, you only have to wait a, you know, less than a week, really, like five days or so, uh, depending on where you live and when it comes on in your area. So Let everyone know when you can watch Ring of Honor on Nesson here in the New England area. I, I, I want to say it's it's like three o'clock in the afternoon on like Thursday afternoons now at this point. Although I no longer have Ness in my <laughs> Why? Because I have PlayStation View and there's some sort of dispute and, and I refuse to go back to Comcast. So I, I've been suffering with no Nesson now for quite some time. And they're, they're not coming to the table with anything to resolve this thing? I guess not. They're at an impasse. But uh, something's got to be done here soon. I mean... Uh, I'm sick of not watching the Red Sox. I'm sick of not watching. Although I do get Ring of Honor on the stadium channel, so it's but it's usually like a week behind. Quite an ambassador for Ring of Honor you, you are when you don't know what time they're on really, and you bury the channel that they're on in the area. How did I bury the channel they're on there? I'm burying PlayStation View. Okay, well th- that's where you're going with this. Yeah, I, I chose PlayStation View specifically because they were one of the few streaming services that had. Nesson available and and now they don't uh you know it's very upset well hopefully that gets resolved brian and you can once again see yourself on television i see myself on television i just told you it comes on the stadium channel it's just a week behind what is the stadium channel it's like a offshoot of like the yes network well brian everyone should just say yes to buying a t-shirt at brianmalonis.com don't you think well, I mean, yeah, and I think they should say, beer, 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 more beer, Mike, with the beer, 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 more beer t-shirt. This is really what you're going to be wearing all weekend long, starting on the 4th of July, right? I wish I had one in hand already. I don't even I don't even have one in hand yet. Really? No, I, I, I did order some, so I will have some in stock uh, soon, but... You can get your hands on one before even I, me or the Bruiser have one uh, by going to BrianMalonis.com and, and picking one up. So, okay, go to BrianMalonis.com, get yourself your very own beer, beer, beer shirt, plus the other shirts available, including the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing's official t-shirt, the Curtain Jerker WPAN t-shirt. That's all at BrianMalonis.com in association with Pro Wrestling Tees and... Why don't you go to our official website, the official website of the wrestling podcast about nothing. That is the WPAN.com, the WPAN.com, our hub, our home base. Find out everything you want to know with the wrestling podcast about nothing right there on the WPAN.com. You can find the ways to subscribe to the podcast through all the various podcast platforms, including Spotify, anywhere else you can find podcasts, you will find the wrestling podcast about nothing. There are the social media links. So follow us wherever you can at the WPAN, basically on all social media platforms. So follow us and interact online. Plus there are bios, there are photos, there are some nudes. If you really go to the website and really look hard. Are we showing off our newbies, though? Uh, our what? Our newbies. Our newbies. <laughs> this is what uh, my son calls uh, his boobies, I guess, his man boobs, his newbies. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, he calls them newbies, so he's very obsessed uh, with, uh, with having his newbies out, so... Good for him. Good for him. <laughs> well, Brian, we've talked about it in the past few weeks. BDA Radio, our former home, 
redirected bdaradio.com to the wpan.com. So if people go to bdaradio.com, it'll bring them to our website, the wpan.com. And BDA Radio had a lot of photos of scantily clad MMA fighters, mostly female MMA fighters. So whenever someone attempts to find one of these photos, they end up going to our website and seeing photos of us. So this is quickly becoming like my favorite segment on the show, I gotta I gotta admit. <laughs> so through the WPAN.com, Brian, I have a list of search terms that have been used that brought people to our website rather than to the photos they wanted. I'm sure they were very happy when they searched these terms you're about to read off and found me in a singlet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they were. The first one, Steph Claire Smith. Bum. Ooh, bum? Like B-U-M, bum. Yeah, bum. Okay, okay. How about this one? Hot Asian teens. Okay. I'm not uh, quite sure why. <laughs> what was on BDAradio.com. <laughs> um, let's move on from that one. Hot pics of a young Nikki Cox. Okay. Do you remember Nikki Cox? I, I don't. She was a lovely lass. She was on that show, what is it? It was like the ripoff of Married with Children. I have no clue what the hell you're talking about, buddy. Okay, never mind. Um, <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> oh, Brian, Mike Hollow, wrestling coach. <laughs> so, okay, that's, you know, that makes sense. Someone might have actually got what they wanted by ending up at the WPAN.com. Oh, Mike, I'm looking up a picture of Nikki Cox here. Yes. My goodness, she was lovely. She is no longer lovely. Oh, she has uh, looks like she has crossed that plastic surgery threshold. Yeah. Where they start to look like a Muppet. Uh, that's 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 too that's bad. because She was tremendous. Oh, my God. She certainly was. Beautiful young lady. To, to, to anybody out there, man, woman, whoever, please don't go crazy with the plastic surgery. I, I don't know how these people think they look good. A little aside there. I, I just don't understand. But anyways, proceed, Mike. And finally, Brian, jailbait nudist. <laughs> okay. That search term brought people to the WPAN.com, the most disappointing website on the World Wide Web. <laughs> Apparently, unless you're searching for full frontal nudes of Mike Crockett. <laughs> Get your own. Go, go find them at the WPAN.com. You know what I say? Mm-mm. Mm-mm, good. Uh, Brian, this past Monday was something pretty cool that happened. I actually saw, I think it was on Saturday, that this was announced. And I was, like, uh, blown away. For some reason, like, it didn't click in my head that this was possible, especially this early on in his tenure in WWE. But our pal, Handsome Johnny, Warbeard Hanson, a, number, a guest a number of times on this podcast, now known as Ivar of the Viking Raiders, was going to be in a match on Monday on the opposing team, Kofi Kingston. It would be the New Day versus the Viking Raiders on Monday night. And what did you think when you first saw that this was going to happen? Well, I, <laughs> you know, I, I, I was just blown away, man. I, I mean, um, I mean, it's funny. We've literally seen this match in the Chaotic Training Center. Uh, well, not the not the six man tag, but the the two uh, combatants that we're talking about here. We've seen them 
uh, wrestle one another in the chaotic training center. And, uh, I got, I got very excited. And obviously I, I, I mean, I talked to, I talked to, uh, Todd almost daily, Ivar, excuse me. I talked to Ivar, uh, almost daily really through text. And, uh, I was excited. I was excited to even and talking to him about it. He was clearly, uh, very excited about it as well. And you mentioned the fact that uh, you, we've seen this match in the CTC. Yeah, this is the match. I found a photo. It was actually taken at the, uh, the, the former Chaotic Training Center, now the New England Pro Wrestling Academy, of the newspaper article on the WWE tryout. There was a WWE tryout in 2006, I believe, that Kofi ended up getting signed from. And there was a someone there from the local paper. I think it was like the Lawrence Eagle Tribune. And there are a couple of photos taken. There's an article written, and that article is hanging framed in the office at the wrestling school. And there's a photo of Kofi hitting a dropkick on a young, svelte, handsome Johnny. And I sent that to both of them just today, actually. And Kofi had never even seen that picture before, so he was kind of blown away by it. So, yeah, we've seen that match, and that is the match that basically got Kofi signed. And Kofi had a a whole uh, post on his personal Facebook on how much it meant to him, the fact that, uh, you know, Hanson was one of the guys that took him under his wing, and he had already had six or so years experience, but Kofi was signed after nine months, and Handsome wasn't, and Kofi said how bad he felt about it. But, you know, it just took him 13 or 14 years, but uh, Handsome Johnny got signed to WWE, then Hanson, then Ivar, and, yeah, Monday night it finally happened. So 2006 to 2019, quite a little journey in between those two dates. Yeah, I mean, you think of all the things that have happened. I mean, you know, Todd's career has probably ended, you know. Um, Two or three times. Yeah, you know, and then you think about all the ups and downs that, that Kofi has been through in his time in WWE. It's crazy. for all the, all. the Think of all the things that had to fall into place over that time for, for that match to, ha- to happen uh, Monday night at that moment. Like, it, it's insane to think about. I, it, it, it makes me choke up thinking about it and... Uh, just awesome to see two of uh, two of the best people I've ever met uh, in pro wrestling. Two guys who I consider uh, very close friends. Uh, to see them together in the ring um, on that stage, on, on live on a Monday night, is uh, it's hard to wrap your brain around, you know. Yeah, and it's funny looking at that picture. I posted on on Twitter. I think Ivar posted it on Instagram, but I will post it on the Twitter at the WPAN. And you can see in the background while Kofi is delivering the dropkick to Handsome, you see um, Steve Kern, Fit Finley, Tim Horner, and Dean Malenko all in the background kind of studying and writing down some notes as this match is happening. And uh, you remember that day pretty well, don't you? <laughs> I, I do, yeah. I, uh, me and Max were the only two that had to take our shirt off. Um, yeah, and there's so. a picture of that in the newspaper as well that's hanging in the office. Yeah, there is. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I remember that day quite vividly, actually, <laughs> in all actuality, because uh, you know, while I was ha- certainly happy for my friends, I came away once again disappointed. <laughs> yeah, how did it, how did it feel? No, not to bring back bad memories, but Kofi Kingston, like he said. Nine months in, he's probably had, what do you say, less than a dozen matches on shows? Maybe, something like that, probably. 
Now, do you get a bitter taste in your mouth when someone like that who is so new gets signed and you've been, this is something that you've been looking to have happen to you for a number of years now. And he comes in and kind of, do you feel like he stole, he took it from you or how, how do you feel after you find out that Kofi gets signed? I can tell you exactly how I feel. I remember he called me on the way to um, Lowell at the PAV. I was wrestling him that night, and he called me while I was on the way to the building to tell me that he was signed uh, and that was going to be his last match in Chaotic, and I was ecstatic for him. Uh, I had no bitterness, no no anything other than just pure joy for him. Um, I mean, I think I think for a lot of for a lot of people too i think you can compartmentalize other people's successes with your lack of success or whatever however you want to define it and i think you know it doesn't hurt that he's a heck of a guy yeah i mean that i mean that certainly makes it easier the fact that he yeah. was my friend and one of the most genuine people i've ever met forget wrestling just one of the most genuine people i've ever met in my life uh just a good generous um here, here's a guy right now who's on top of the wrestling business, and he's literally the same quick-witted, smart-ass, sometimes I'd like to slap the taste out of his mouth guy <laughs> that I met the, the day he walked into uh, the Chaotic Training Center. You know, he hasn't changed a bit, and uh, that speaks to, I think, the character of him, the you know, amazing job his parents clearly did with him. I mean, um, you know, getting to meet his family a little bit and whatnot. And I think it just speaks volumes, though, on the type of person he is. And I don't want you to put words in his mouth, but how did Todd, Handsome Johnny, Warby Hanson, how do you think he felt after he has this match where he basically knows exactly what Kofi needs to show these people and helps him basically to get signed but he ends up you know he's left behind still working the independence how do you think he felt i mean i think i think probably the same the same as a, a lot of us did for a while there and, and again it's it, the ability to separate someone else's success especially a friend of yours from from you not getting it um i mean it's disappointing and it's heartbreaking at times uh and i know you know i i mean Todd got a lot closer than I ever did numerous times um, with WWE and, and really deserved to be there. Um, you know, I, I mean, I guess, you know, things happen when they're supposed to, but um, I mean, he, re he really deserved to be there 10, 12, you know, 13, 14 years ago, yeah. but that's their fuck up, I guess. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's the, the fact that he hasn't been on their roster for the last decade uh, is their failure, not, not his. You know, I don't. I couldn't tell you so there were the exact conversations that we had, but probably. I mean, I can tell you the general conversations that we had so many times after tryouts or TVs or close calls, or you think you're going to get something and then it doesn't happen, and and it's just uh, it's it's heartbreaking for you. But then when you see good stuff happen to good people, it's still it's okay to feel bad for yourself and good for somebody else, and it doesn't doesn't make you a bad person. So the match on Monday, how did you feel watching it? I mean, I was, I was I was proud as hell. Um, you know, they they like tried him. to do the swerve where first of all, Kofi was in the match. It was just a tag team match, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was going to happen, and uh, I put a little caveat in my tweet about it: the fact that oh, they, you know, Kofi might not even be in the match, so maybe I shouldn't get my hopes up. But it ended up becoming a six man tag, and it was uh, the Viking Raiders and Samoa Joe versus Kofi uh, Xavier Woods and Biggie. And, uh, 
yeah, what did you what'd you think when you saw Kofi get in the ring and start the match and then good old Ivar for the other team starting? I, mean, I may or may not have been expecting it, but but, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but um no, I mean I was I was really I was you know, I was really excited for it and you know, I I tuned in especially for that and um I can't say that I'm a religious watcher of, of Raw these days, but it was awesome. It was just this enormous sense of pride um uh, both you know from a standpoint of these are these are my friends and i know their backstories i know how hard they've worked and you know and then to see and know and to know their history with each other and the history of our group of friends and um for them to get there in that moment uh, is is pretty awesome and the in the you know i guess the only thing that could have been that made it made a little more sweet is if somehow like tomasa was in the match or something i guess <laughs> yeah well we did see uh Sean Matt Bennett as the referee, former Chaos right. Wrestling referee as well. <laughs> That's right. Which again, it's it's pretty mind blowing. Another 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 great guy. Uh, you know that uh, got a great opportunity. Uh, not only because of his talent, but I think I think being a good person helps as well. Yeah, definitely. And uh, yeah, I mean, to the normal WWE watcher, it was you know probably just a, a good six man tag team match. But it's kind of like an Easter egg for us in New England. The fact uh, that we know these guys and we know what they've been through, respectively. The fact that this match was able to even happen is, uh, I don't know, is really cool. Is really cool to see. Yeah, I think. I mean, I hope. I hope. I mean, um, I mean, I think we know that they're that they're doing a network special or something on uh, on Kofi. Um, pretty sure about that, based on some of his social media posts and going. You know, he went back to Ghana and whatnot, and um, so I think that's obviously forthcoming at some point. But uh, man, wait, have you done your sit down interview yet? I know, right? Why haven't I? <laughs> that, that may be a maybe a conflict of interest these days, buddy. Mm. Uh, maybe in violation of a of a certain document. <laughs> okay, perhaps. <laughs> not that I was. At, I'm not saying that I was asked or anything like that. I'm just saying, like, I'm I'm, I'm pretty sure that would be uh, <laughs> frowned upon at the very least. I um, suppose. <laughs> but um, but if they ever did a. Um, a network special or something on on Todd like it would just be I mean people would be crying at the end of it <laughs> I think if they if you know and, and they can go back in the archives and, and and hear Todd's incredible journey and his incredible story um, because at times it's it's heartbreaking um, but when you know everything that went into getting him where he is today, it's it's inspiring um, that he that he never gave up and uh, continued to push forward when it was over a, n- a number of times. So hopefully WWE uh, gets on that train at some point and uh, realizes like, hey, we got a hell of a story here with this guy. Yeah, there's a two part interview we did with Todd way way back in the early days of the wrestling podcast about nothing. You really should check that out if you want the full story behind behind Ivar of the Viking Raiders, episode eight and nine of Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. So way back in the archives, take a look and uh, listen to Todd talk about his journey to, well, this is even before he made it to WWE, but his journey through the independence. And finally, now he is in the big time on the main stage at uh, Monday Night Raw for WWE. So what a story and um, feel good moment for us. Yeah, certainly. Certainly, Mike. I, uh, uh, Jesus, I feel like 2019 has just been full of those. <laughs> yeah, it has. So maybe there'll be another one coming up in Lowell, won't there be? 
Maybe, maybe, maybe if uh, Mike, if I if if me and the Bruiser win the tag team titles, you and you're in the house, you gonna get emotional? You gonna get uh, misty eyed? I'm gonna do a run in, brother. <laughs> oh, you gonna count the rough shirt? You gonna count the three? <laughs> Who's booking this, Mike Hollow? <laughs> <laughs> well, we want your feedback, folks. Not just about me running in on. Uh, brian's big tag team title victory but about everything we're talking about here on the wrestling podcast about nothing find us on twitter at the wpan use the hashtag wpan and we can uh, chit chat all about it or you can call the voicemail line we want to hear from you get your voicemail in we will play it on the podcast call 401-584-9726 that's 401-584-wpan before we talk about wrestling's strangest things brian Let's talk about the strange Mike Mills and booking the territory, the unprofessional wrestling podcast with Mike Mills joined by Harbody Harper and Doc Turner. They do two podcasts a week. Sunday is the Smoky Mountain Show. Thursday is their flagship show where they're talking about World Championship Wrestling, the old Saturday Night 605 show. MikeMills.Podbean.com as he hangs this uh, dirty tale that you've told him over my head, Brian. <laughs> oh yeah yeah i i did that i did that i know you did that brian <laughs> our vantage point let's t- let's move on to our vantage point the retro wrestling podcast you don't want to talk about your ex <laughs> <sighs> with little joe Murata, with big michael quinn they're and talking fatty to- patty oh no she's not part of that She's not part of that. No, Brian, she's not. The Retro Wrestling Podcast, they're talking about the old school professional wrestling with a northern flavor to it. And they're talking about the best and worst Intercontinental Champions in the Royal Flush and Royal Rankings this time out. Great listen. Check out OVPpodcast.com for more information on our vantage point. Greetings from Allentown with PW. Peter Winson, he is talking about one single episode of wrestling television and bringing his own thoughts and prayers and spin on the entire thing there. So check out Greetings from Allentown on his own feed or the Pro Wrestling on the feed on Place to Be Nation and the Rundown Wrestling Podcast with Jason Stewart, with Sal, with Troy, with Adam Sauls, or all the rest there on the Rundown Wrestling Network. A whole network. Every day, basically, you can find something, including a show called twat magic i'm sorry i'm 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 sorry what twat magic find out more on the rundown wrestling network go to rundownwrestling.com and enjoy brian stranger things on the fourth of july season three came to netflix everyone's talking about it everyone's watching it they're binging over the holiday weekend. No spoilers here. No spoilers because it hasn't dropped yet. But <laughs> this week, we're going to talk about the strangest things when it comes to professional wrestling. Now, do we want to set this up, Brian? I'll, yeah, I'll let you set it up. Go ahead. We're going to talk about the strangest characters, the strangest angles. Just the strangeness in general of professional wrestling. This is wrestling's strangest things. And Brian, why don't you kick us off? What's the strangest thing about pro wrestling? Well, I don't. I mean, you don't want me to go to the strangest thing yet, right? 
one of the strangest things. <laughs> Mike, I'll start with a you know I'll start with a layup here, and, mm-hmm. and this is an angle that that in WWE that goes back. Uh, it, it's very infamous. One of the most infamous angles uh, of all time in WWE, and I'm talking about the notorious Katie Vick angle. Wow, you're starting with that one, huh? Yeah, start with that one. Why not? It's not. It's not number one. Hopefully, it wasn't number one on your list. But uh, I, th- I thought a bit of a layup here. I thought a bit of an obvious choice. Uh, you know, because what's strange about uh, Triple H dressing up in a cane mask and fornicating with a corpse? Yeah, that was something. Maybe that was ill-advised. Um, <laughs> ill-advised. That's that's what we're calling that. Yeah, yeah let's go with <laughs> ill-advised. Um, he says that he effed her brains out and like pulls up like a handful of spaghetti or whatever it was. Uh, <laughs> it was yeah. I don't understand what it was. And of course, Triple H feuding with Kane at the time. And Katie Vick was someone that we find out was killed by Kane or accidentally killed. She was a cheerleader. It was like something happened when Kane was in school or something. I I, 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 I choose really not to remember uh, many of the details of this, but <laughs> yeah, some of them just of, happen to be burned into my head. Yeah, there's a lot of people that uh, probably, probably choose to forget those sorts of things, but uh, I mean Usually the point of a promo or a vignette of some sort is to, I mean, in this day, in that day and age, it was to drive pay-per-view buy rates, you know, put butts in the seats as they as they will, whether it be uh, seats on their couch ordering the pay-per-view or seats in the arena. And uh, Mike, uh, explain to me how that would have increased buy rates and uh, put butts in the seats. Um. <laughs> I'm gonna need some time here, Brian. <laughs> I, I can picture you having like the uh, all the papers on the wall with the with the tacks and the strings, <laughs> <laughs> and I come up with nothing, absolutely <laughs> yes. nothing. Yeah, I mean, he had, there's a mannequin dressed up like a cheerleader in a coffin in a casket in you know what's supposed to be a a mor- not a morgue but in a, a funeral home, and yeah. Triple H in a cane mask mocks Kane by jumping into this casket with the supposed corpse of his girlfriend, Katie Vick, and yeah, and uh, dry humps her and into submission, apparently. <laughs> dry humps her into submission. <laughs> That may be the line of the night. I, that might that might be like the all right. You know what, Mike? It ain't getting better than that. We're done. <laughs> I mean, that might be the take. That might be the take it home line. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everybody. I'm out of here. Gonna leave on a high note. We started off with a bang, Mike. Uh, 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 uh. Uh, uh, we we will go on anyway Brian let's spend the rest of the episode trying to top that one let's see how we do how about wrestling strangest things Brian let's go to something just about wrestling that is strange to me okay I'm, I'm listening I'm all ears how about the fact that referees are deaf <laughs> Yes, they are. <laughs> first, yeah. Well, f- first of all, referees are deaf. If something happens behind their back, 
you know, it, they, someone could get shot in the face behind the referee's back. And as long as his back is turned, he won't hear it. The ears, the, the directional, the ears <laughs> like have this like directional thing to them where whichever way they're facing, that's the only way he can get sound. And well, unless it's the heels making an illegal tag where they just clap, right? I mean, referees can hear that, though. <laughs> I suppose they can. Yeah, I think that was a pet peeve of Coach Holler, right? The the whole clap thing, or maybe not. I, I, I don't know. It should be a pet peeve of everybody. It's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it does stink. Uh, yeah, the referees are deaf. Not only are they, are they deaf, Brian, they're feeble. Why, because they get knocked unconscious by, <laughs> by everything? Yes, like they get squished in the corner and they're down for 10 minutes. By professional wrestling standards, every professional wrestling referee who's ever performed has just the worst cases of like... Glass jaw. Yeah, like it, it's just, you touch them and they're out cold for and for numerous minutes. Sometimes never to return that night. <laughs> yes, and the funny thing about that too is if you ever get a wrestler as a special guest referee and they get bumped, they become weaklings too. <laughs> they do. Uh, like a wrestler who becomes a ref will, will take a bump and he'll be down for 10 minutes. It's that damn shirt. It like, it like <laughs> saps the power out of human beings. All right. So yes, referees are deaf and feeble, Brian. What else you got? What is, what's another one of wrestling's strangest things? Hold on. I was going to hit you with a zinger there. You're trying to move on. You're trying to prevent me from hitting you with a zinger. I was going to say, I knew you were deaf and feeble for a long time. Uh, okay. Moving on. <laughs> All right, Mike. I'll go with uh, I'll go with a with a character in pro wrestling, and some of the ones I have on my list here. There's, well, there's a common trait between a lot of them, and that's the sheer size of them. And 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 this fellow may be about the about the biggest pro wrestler uh, I've ever seen. I think in WWE he was billed as eight feet tall, but I mean that's not strange. I guess giants aren't a strange thing in pro wrestling. Uh, what was strange is that they dressed this big fella up in a bodysuit with painted muscles and fur on it. I'm talking about, of course, the giant Gonzalez. Yeah, he had fur underoos. <laughs> or just a very big bush. <laughs> big enough to cover up his dick and balls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was strange, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I mean, first of all, I mean, we're talking about Elegante, Giant Gonzalez, whatever you want to call him here. Um, I mean, he couldn't wrestle, I mean, largely because he was pretty immobile, um, but just the sheer size of him was a was a novelty. But he could, I mean, he couldn't wrestle at all. Like he was, he was not a good pro wrestler. And I, I get the novelty of it. I get the having him wrestle the Undertaker because he's a real threat to the Undertaker because he dwarfs him. Um, but I, I just, I guess I don't understand what, like, what was he supposed to be? Like, was he, I mean, were we supposed to think that it wasn't a bodysuit that that was actually like, he was actually some sort of animal or creature or like, I don't quite guess I don't quite remember the commentary exactly on it, but is that, is that how they sold it? Like they didn't know exactly what he was like. He was not a human being. Oh, yeah, he got really cut up in his time between WCW when he went to the WWF. He really uh, you know, got abs, the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, 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 he, he was. Uh, you know, but I, go, I don't think you were supposed to know that he was in WCW as a different character before. It's uh, like he was some sort of like, you know, I don't know, like some sort of animal that uh, Dr. Harvey Whippleman found somewhere. And 
somehow tamed and brought to the World Wrestling Federation. So uh, that was that weird era of like, I think it was, we're still doing weird gimmicks, but we're kind of on the way to starting to phase those out, but not quite there yet. Yeah, I really don't think they really even mentioned his gear because what could they say about it really? (laughs) Bury it, I guess. I don't know. I mean, but that's the thing. I don't remember. Was it? I mean, was it supposed to be that it was gear, or was it supposed to be that that was just him? Now, at one point, they dropped the fur, and he was just—they had painted on fur. <laughs> Still strategically placed. Still strategically placed. Yes, <laughs> but yeah. Okay, that is really one of wrestling's strangest things. It wasn't even on my list, but definitely one of the strangest things about pro wrestling: Giant Gonzalez having pubic underwear. Basically. <laughs> Basically. How about this, Brian? One of wrestling's strangest things. Let's stick with The Undertaker. You talked about him when mentioning Giant Gonzalez. The Undertaker ascending to the heavens. The Undertaker dying, essentially. The dead man dying. Were you there for that? I was there for that in Providence, Rhode Island at the Royal Rumble. What was it like live, Mike? <laughs> I, I, I was just gobsmacked. God smacked? Not God smacked. Gob smacked. I don't know what I was watching. Because <laughs> yeah, why would the dead man who's already dead, who is a demon by all uh, accounts, ascend to heaven as an angel? Yeah, he should go downstairs, right? Right. Uh, well, not even really, though. He's already dead. How can you kill the dead man? Maybe he was in purgatory this whole time. Maybe. I, I don't know. I mean... We're trying to apply logic to an illogical situation, right? <laughs> you know what you should do? You should buy another T-shirt from Bruce Pritchard so you can ask him. I've only ever bought one, Mike, and I barely listen to that podcast anymore. You're, you'll be very happy to to hear that I barely listen to, to that podcast anymore. And I'm sure he doesn't call people anymore either because you know, he's got other people calling him and yelling at him. <laughs> well, like Vince McMahon. Yes. <laughs> All right, so yeah, The Undertaker ascending to the heavens just was a strange thing. This in, in the day where Undertaker hadn't really done anything completely nuts like that yet. I mean, Undertaker was still, he was a supernatural character. He was kind of toting that line. He was on the edge, but just him floating skyward at the Providence Civic Center was uh, beyond anything that we had ever seen before with The Undertaker, with, with anything really in the WWF. Now, did you did you think it was it was fucking stupid when you were watching it, or because I was I mean I was I was like as a kid I was like, you know I I I was devastated that he lost, but then psyched when he got kind of resurrected and then you know disappeared for a bit. But but you were obviously you know you were a little older than I was, uh, you know. So what what are you thinking watching that live? Like in your brain at that point, are you watching this like this is the dumbest shit I've ever seen, or are you like getting excited or whatever? Well. Even stranger than the actual ascension was the promo that he did supposedly from inside the coffin. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. Where he was supposedly the lying there. Flame and you, that will never be extinguished. You see like the wood box around him. It's obviously, you know, done with uh, computer graphics. It's he's not literally in there because it's all lit up. But and, and this promo from my recollection goes on forever and ever and ever. I'm like, what is going on? That might have even been stranger than him going up to the heavens. It was all fucking weird. Uh, <laughs> I yeah, I was just left 
speechless. I really just didn't know what was going on. I really wanted to move on to something else. I wanted Owen Hart to kick Bret Hart's leg out of his leg. <laughs> and that you got. <laughs> Which I don't know if that came before that or after that. But anyway, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I know what you're saying. Why don't you settle down there? Take a Xanax or something. <laughs> okay. Wrestling strangest things, Brian. What else is strange about pro wrestling? Well, Mike, it's a night that... Uh will live in infamy in pro wrestling and a night that will live in infamy for me and for Ivar of the War Raiders because we were there the night it happened. Tim White's suicide. (laughs) (laughs) You've mentioned this before on the podcast that you were backstage and it was big show that said what while he was watching it yeah he was he was dumbfounded it might have been a little more colorful than what um you know in a, in a complete walk away in absolute um disgust but uh <laughs> yeah i i mean um i mean i mean I, and i know it's a different time um but I, I don't know that the that somebody killing themselves is ever really should be something done tongue-in-cheek on um, a pro wrestling show. It's a, a very strange and interesting way to go. And, and again, when you think about these things, like what the hell's the payoff? Like, where are you going with this? Like this match is so devastating that it ruined somebody's life and they wanted to kill themselves. Like, I, I mean, I, and, and this is at the pay-per-view. So it's not like they're selling any additional buys to the pay-per-view. They're doing it on the pay-per-view. I don't understand. Like it's just shock value for the sake of shock value, I guess, with no real reward or payoff. It's just compelling television, my friend. I don't know how compelling it was. But yeah, that is a uh, that's a weird one, my friend. That's a weird one. Yeah. Um. Well, I was. Is it a weird one or is it strange, Mike? Perhaps it's strange. It's one of the strangest things I would say. It certainly is. You know what else is strange, Brian? Oh, lots of things, but uh, you know, why don't you tell me? Backstage, these days, in WWE, wrestlers don't face each other when they talk to each other. They don't? No. They stand awkwardly shoulder to shoulder and turn their heads. Hmm. That's a strange thing, don't you think? I guess, yeah. I mean, I guess it's to open up to the camera and... Yes, it is. You know, to, to for a better shot of TV. But I guess it's... I mean, it's it is... It is strange. I guess I've never really noticed. Maybe that's because I'm so used to <laughs> actually doing it. Because even for you know before being on TV, you film stuff for promos and for independent promotions that they're going to put on online, and you get the same directive. You know, the open up to the camera. Yeah, and what they say also is it feels a little weird, but it looks great on camera. No, it doesn't. It looks fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I saw something this week, uh, I think it was from 205 Live, with uh, our friend Oni Lorcan, Biff Busick, standing there with two other guys, like shoulder to shoulder, and they're supposedly having our conversation. Like, how? There's opening up to the camera, and then there's just standing there like a firing line. It looks completely ridiculous. Just, they can face each other at like a certain angle, but... I don't understand. It just looks like completely fake and false. And I, it's strange to me, Brian, is what it is. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, on a, on a everyday sort of like normal human interaction. Yeah. It's a little strange, but I get it for TV purposes and whatnot. 
And speaking of which, Brian, why are the cameramen all invisible? That now that is pretty stupid. I, I will say the fourth wall stuff. I'm kind of over the fourth wall stuff. I I, uh, I I will say. Yeah, just the fact that we're acting like the cameraman isn't there. It's basically been since the Monday Night Wars, since the Attitude Era, that this whole thing came to pass. But they're still sticking with it. Uh, just the fact that the two, these two guys are talking in private with a camera guy there, and they're acting like the camera guy isn't there, and they're not on TV. People have talked about this a lot, but it is a strange trope for professional wrestling the past 20 years. I, I concur, Mike. I concur, but I guess it's just something I'm used to and expect, you know, expect at this point. All you gotta do is put a guy at the microphone there, and you're all set. Uh, see, and that's where I'm a big fan of. I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, backstage interviewers and whatnot. I'm not the, the fan of the way backstage interviewers seem to do the interviewing these days, but yeah, I'm a big fan of just like, hey, the match is upcoming here. What are your thoughts? You know? And then something else could happen from there. A guy can walk in and things can happen, but it's going to start under the premise of we're doing something for television backstage. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think Impact actually tried to do it for a little bit where these like backstage conversations where the fourth wall is broken, they actually were trying to do it where somebody was filming it like covertly, which I appreciated yes. for a stretch. Yeah, it, it felt a little like peeping Tom-ish, but yeah, I appreciate the effort. It's at least like trying to do something different and getting away with just the fact that pro wrestlers are just dumb and don't realize cameras are right there. And oh, by the way, they're divulging their entire plan in front of the camera that they don't know is there and that their opponent could just be watching. And then within the same, so the the opponents aren't watching at those points, but then there's other times they acknowledge that people can watch the show backstage and... I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. There's just so many things like that that are accepted that are very, very strange in pro wrestling. Strange. Strange is the operative word, right, Brian? Exactly, buddy. Well, there's so many of these things that I think we might have to do this again in the future, but uh, I mean, we have to wrap it up pretty shortly. But do you have two or three more of wrestling's strangest things that we could put out there for the world? I do, Mike. Uh I told you I had uh, a number of, of wrestlers on here, and they all seem to be big fellas. Um, but uh, one that we'd have to bring up, certainly, Mike, is the Yeti. Or as Tony Schiavone will say, the Yeti. Um, yes. But uh, he's this he's, a, he's not even a Yeti. He's a mummy wrapped up in toilet paper. And he, you want to talk about dry humping? Here's some more dry humping. Him and the <laughs> giant uh, dry hump the fuck out of Hulk Hogan. Hell yeah. <laughs> in, a, in a match. Yeah, that was uh, that was something. A yeti dressed as a mummy, with no explanation. Yep, exactly. So, a quick hitter, Mike. I'll keep it moving along. Uh, I think another thing that we could bring up here, very strange. Uh, it's a relationship of sorts. We haven't had a relationship uh, brought up yet, and that's the relationship of Perry Saturn and Moppy, somebody who you probably encountered somewhere along the line. I would think, Mike, right? Perry Saturn. Oh, yeah. He was the main event of the first show I ever went to, the first independent show I went to for Kyla Kowalski. And uh, yeah, he was uh, a little office rocker back then. And definitely by the time he got to the WWF, uh, things were uh, off the rails. And he was talking to inanimate objects. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it got over for a little bit, but uh, yeah, poor, it became just the butt of a joke, I feel like, at uh at some point, I think it's just poking fun of somebody and uh, not getting a whole hell of a lot out of it. And Perry Saturn was a hell of a wrestler. And uh, 
saddling him with something stupid like that uh, really took away from what Perry Saturn could do in the ring. And uh, that's just my opinion on it. But something very strange. And If I'm not mistaken, it might have been a punishment for the whole situation where he roughed up the enhancement guy, Mike Bell. That might not be correct, but uh, that's what's popping into my head where he really knocked the shit out of this guy on shotgun Saturday night or whatever the hell it was. And uh, to the point where even then in the late nineties, early two thousands, even then when, you know, it was like the wild West with some of these squash matches, even then they were like, that's a little too much. <laughs> what a weird concept. We're going to, we're going to punish you by giving you TV time with a terrible gimmick that won't get over. <laughs> like, like the punishment fits the crime who's getting punished uh so all right mike i'll go to number one on my list here and this is definitely uh, a strange one this is a a match that happened uh it was a storyline but it also led to a match at the end a very strange match uh one that nobody going into it knew quite like how the hell is wwe going to do this because it was impossible for one of the participants in the tag match to actually participate mike and I'm talking about the McMahon, Shane and Vince McMahon taking on the heartbreak kid himself, Shawn Michaels, and his tag team partner, God. God. <laughs> exactly. God. <laughs> I mean, God got an entrance. Do you remember? Yes, the single spotlight down to the ring. <laughs> he got an entrance. And uh, yeah, I mean, again, I don't know. I mean, I get it. It was it was a creative way to do uh, to do a two on one match, you know. Um, but I I keep keep religion and politics out of pro wrestling, just like you should keep it off social media, I guess. And uh, you know, it's one thing when I watched it, I was actually surprised. And you hear how religious Shawn Michaels is, and how, how you know how he's a person of faith. And I was actually mildly surprised that he was willing to go through with it because it's i mean to me it's i guess maybe a little bit blasphemous but um i mean it's a very it's a very strange thing mike it's a very strange thing that there is a pro wrestling match in in, in history that pitted the, the mcmahon's versus Shawn michaels and god himself my number one strangest thing in pro wrestling history did god ever tag in um, I, I don't, I don't think he did. Like, I don't, you know, I think he dropped down off the apron like, uh, like, uh, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff did to Hulk Hogan. Wow. And Sean is still, uh, a follower after all that. I, I think so. We could ask, I mean, we could ask, uh, Ivar, he'll know. <laughs> I guess we could. He's good buddies with Shawn Michaels. He's down there in the, uh, performance center, correct? He is indeed. Yeah. He's a trainer down there and, uh. You know, I, th- I think he's actually guided. Uh, I will say, and I hope I hope Todd's okay with me saying this. I think he's guided uh, his career quite a bit since he's been down there, and really looks out for him and takes care of him and and helps him a lot. So that's real life, by the way. Uh, our good buddy Todd uh, has a working relationship with Shawn Michaels. So think about that shit. Weird, wild stuff. That is one of wrestling's strangest things, if you ask me. <laughs> it really is, at least in our world. That's 1A. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Brian, a a couple more of of my quick hits before I get to my number one. And there are just so many to pick from. Wrestling Strangest Things. How about Vince McMahon singing? What's wrong with Vince McMahon singing? Stand back. 
From the sl- it's from the Slammies, right? Yeah, it is. This is your number one strangest thing? I didn't say it was my number one. Oh, okay. We're leading up to it. You did a couple and leading up to your number one. I'm doing a couple leading up to my... Vince McMahon, he was the the mild-mannered... Well, not quite mild-mannered by this point, but he was the... He was just the commentator. He was just the commentator. He was calling the action, and he does this whole performance of stand back and really just uh, he goes all out. He holds nothing back. And it was a full body dry heave to music, my friend. (laughs) Does Vince McMahon ever seem like a guy who does anything half-assed? I guess not, but this was just beyond. I do know him personally. I have been in the ring with him. You certainly have. You certainly have. Did you ask him to dance? I should have. <laughs> that would have been nice. I don't know. I I like him, Mike. I th- I think I think you should add a clip of Vince McMahon singing "Stand Back" right right in here somewhere. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well worth it, I guess. Well worth putting that in there, Brian. I think so. How about this, Kingpin? Wrestling Strangest Things. Four words, Brian. Or it might be three. You tell me. Choppy, choppy, pp. <laughs> I had, I had that on my list as well. For those who are uh, uninformed, there is a group called Kayantai four or five uh, Japanese wrestlers and they had supposedly kidnapped Val Venus, the porn star character from the late 90s WWF and they took him backstage, they strung him up like he was being crucified and they apparently laid his manhood on a table and the leader of Kayantai Yamaguchi-san had a samurai sword and was going to chop his pee-pee off. And he said, choppy, choppy the (laughs) pee-pee and went to do so and the lights went out. (laughs) Strange scene, Brian, especially if you're flipping through the channels and you end up on that. Yeah. Did they show Val Venus's naked ass or did they blur it out? I don't even remember. I believe it was pixelated, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, that's too bad. (laughs) <laughs> dang navit i know i know you were disappointed mike i certainly was and uh, so as it turns out uh it didn't get chopped off brian do you remember why i i, I don't uh, did it shrink or something or was there significant right? shrinkage brian <laughs> significant shrinkage oh my god he wasn't in the pool though it was just cold in the room they say i thought um i thought this was strange not stupid things <laughs> <laughs> it was a strange scene as as these four Japanese wrestlers were cheering on the manager Yamaguchi-san as he went to chop off Val Venus's penis. The whole backstory was that Val Venus was sleeping with Yamaguchi-san's wife, and that led to him attempting to dismember Val Venus. 
late nineties WWF everyone. Yeah, Mrs. Yamaguchi son was a very good looking lady. And very young looking lady as well. <laughs> okay. She was. You know, I tell you, you know who's you know who was uh, probably a fan of her, our good friend Todd Sinclair. Probably. Or the person who searched for uh, young Asian women that ended up at the WPAN.com. <laughs> probably Jim Ross, you would assume, right? Oh, my goodness. Uh, okay, Brian. Well, he was the head of talent relations. Oh, okay. Okay. That's where you're going with that. All right. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many here, Brian. We're going to have to do more of Wrestling Strangest Things at some point here. But a tupada. It's a, tup- a tupada. But the number one in my book, the number one strangest thing in professional wrestling, you have to say Rick Steiner on Nitro having a back and forth promo with Chucky, the doll. (laughs) As heard. On the promo about nothing on the WPA. He'll laugh Hall of Famer, right? Yes. <laughs> For weeks, there was this laughing that could be heard during Nitro. The announcer was like, where's that laughing coming from? I don't know. I don't know. The payoff was, it was Chucky, who was putting over his new movie. I think it was Bride of Chucky at the time. They just actually rebooted Child's Play. I don't know if you saw that, Brian. They did. I think it's more terrifying. The doll actually looks like a My Buddy doll now. Yeah, so uh, that that's back. But this was in the uh, later days of the Chucky series where Rick Steiner is going back and forth to Chucky, and it's obvious that the Chucky stuff was pre-recorded, and you know they're trying to sync up their, their questions and answers together, and it's falling off the rails. But the fact that Rick Steiner is yelling at a doll, just perhaps the strangest thing, It is the strangest thing because it's number one on my list. The strangest thing in professional wrestling history. Rick Steiner yelling, going back and forth, feuding, for lack of a better term, with Chucky from Child's Play. Yeah, that's, uh, I I, I don't even know, buddy. I mean, and and Chucky still might have been better at promos than Big Papa Pump. (laughs) (laughs) Or Or you're talking about the dog face gremlin. No, no, it's like about Big Papa Pump, who is a okay. string of uh, just uh, promo about nothing worthy promos out there. A promo about nothing, a Hall of Famer, I would say at this point. S- uh, certainly. Uh, so, yeah, that that is my number one, Rick Steiner versus Chucky. And there are so many that we couldn't get to. We will get to in the future, in a future episode of the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. Let us know what you think. What's your strangest thing about professional wrestling? Use the hashtag WPAN. Tweet us at the WPAN on Twitter with your wrestling's strangest thing. All right, Brian, it is time for this week's promo about nothing. But before we get into that, you are hitting the highways and byways and airways, crisscrossing this great nation of ours, plying your trade as a professional wrestler, and you got dates. That's right, Mike. I do. I got I got a busy like next couple months coming up here, uh, but it all sure starts do. this Friday night in Tulsa, Oklahoma, my Oklahoma debut, Compound Pro Wrestling, alongside the Beer City Bruiser. Very excited to go to Tulsa, my 25th state, Mike. Can you friggin' believe it? Um, Halfway home. Halfway there, baby. Uh, so uh, heading to Compound Pro Wrestling in Tulsa, Oklahoma this Friday night. Find Compound Pro Wrestling all over social media for full card and ticket information if you are in the area. The very next day, I'll be in 
Douseman or Douseman, Wisconsin. I'm probably saying that horribly wrong. Uh, but for I'll be heading there for Brew City Wrestling. Me and the Beer City Bruiser will be up all night drinking in Tulsa, get up real early and fly to Wisconsin to do it all again on Saturday night. July the 13th, back at Bruce City Wrestling. Very excited for that. Uh, the very next weekend, on Saturday night, July the 20th, I'll be back in the big city, Mike, New York City, Manhattan, the Manhattan Center, the Hammerstein Ballroom uh, for Ring of Honor's international TV taping. Again, that goes down on Saturday night, July the 20th, rhwrestling.com for ticket information. And then the very next night, we talked about it earlier, a Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championship opportunity for the bouncers against the winner of the Briscoes and Gorillas of Destiny match from the night before in Lowell, Massachusetts. It's Ring of, Ring of Honor's mass hysteria. Uh, so get your tickets now. I mean, there's lots of people in New England listening to this now. Um, you know, I, I, I need lots of support there. Uh, I would love it personally. I, I am personally asking uh, my friends and, our, and my fans who listen to this podcast, please come out and, and, and support uh, Ring of Honor and support you know, the biggest match of my career, really. I've never wrestled for any sort of world championship before, so this is a this is a pretty big night uh, for for myself and the Beer City Bruiser, and uh, hopefully we can make it one that's real memorable for everybody. Uh, yeah, let's get a big crew together down there at the Lowell Memorial Auditorium. There, hell yeah, Mike! You, if you get a big enough crew together, WPA and listeners, I will make my way from the back, and we will take a group picture. That sounds fantastic. That's a promise. You can, yeah, you can write that down. That is, that is a promise. If you, if you get a good group of people, I will come out and, and take a picture. We'll get a group picture uh, with, and, and I'll even, I'll even drag the bruiser with me, and we'll get a nice group shot. And the tag team championships, right? <laughs> well, that I mean, we actually have to go out and win those, so uh, that remains to be seen. But uh, hopefully, Mike, God willing. God willing, maybe we can ask uh, Ivar to ask Shawn Michaels to ask God for us. Oh, no. <laughs> and then, Mike, uh, August the 4th, I'm heading to Fenway Park in Boston, Massachusetts for the El Mundo Festival. It's put on by the Bell Time Club and Dante Luna. Uh, excited to be back at Fenway and part of that. 8-9, uh, heading to Toronto for Ring of Honor at Summer Supercard. Hey, maybe that'll be the first title defense of the Bouncers. You never know. It's a possibility, Mike. Huh? No, sure is. <laughs> Eight sixteen. I'm heading to back to Wisconsin. This time, Waukesha for Brew City Wrestling. Eight seventeen. Newburyport, Massachusetts for Atlantic Pro Wrestling. There's also a special meet and greet uh, with a Q and A for that. Uh, so go to AtlanticProWrestling.com to get tickets and, and full card information. Uh, I know Simon Gotch is also on that show. Anthony Green's also on that show. Um, but if you want to meet uh, myself and the stars of Future of Honor uh, before the show, uh, like I said, there is a special meet and greet and Q and A that you can purchase uh, so looking forward to uh, meeting all the great fans uh, in Atlantic Pro Wrestling that come out for that event uh, I'll rip through these next through Mike because they're a little bit far out but I don't want to I just want to finish off August here 823 uh, UFO Wrestling in Malden Mass 824 Ring of Honor back in Atlanta Georgia 825 Ring of Honor in Nashville Tennessee and then 831 Proving Ground Wrestling PBD Massachusetts check out those fine companies all over social media for all the details and uh, you know where to catch the kingpin now all summer long well, if you want to catch the Kingpin and put him on your wrestling card, email brianmalonis at comcast.net or DM him on Twitter. He is at Brian Malonis. Brian, it is promo about nothing time. The year, 1991. And for the second week in a row, we are going to WCW World Championship Wrestling. And we're sticking with a strange theme this week, Brian. 
This is one of wrestling's strangest promos, if you ask me. We are going to the Danger Zone. And that is the interview segment hosted by Paul E. Dangerously, a.k.a. Paul Heyman. And he is here in 1991 talking about the Beast. No, not Brock Lesnar. He is talking about the Minotaur. What? Yeah, the Minotaur. Oh, boy. This week's promo about nothing. When Paul E. Dangerously vowed right here on the Danger Zone that there is not a man, woman, or child on the face of God's green earth that could not come on the Danger Zone and be interviewed, I meant it. I meant every single solitary word of it. And there is no man. Not champion, not ex-champion, not football player, baseball player, not one sports figure today that I wouldn't interview right here on the Danger Zone. But I said nothing about something that is not of this earth. I said nothing about a thing, a creature, a half-man, half-beast, a true, a life-living minotaur. I said nothing about welcoming onto a danger zone a man that is not a human being, something that is not even a man to begin with. I said nothing about a half bull, half man. And when this bull enters the ring what half of, him of is the bull? world championship wrestling, the Minotaur does not want to take a single prisoner. The Minotaur will not drag his opponent back to the dressing room in a bloody heap. The, the Minotaur will here? not take his opponent after the destruction that he will bring into the ring of World Championship Wrestling and drag the limpless body out into the parking lot. The Minotaur wants no prisoners. What the Minotaur wants in World Championship Wrestling is to leave his lipless, bloody, lifeless opponent in the middle of the ring so that not man, woman, or child can enter the ring with the half-man, half-bull and not be his victim. <laughs> so, Brian, it's almost like Polly Dangerously is advocating for the Minotaur. <laughs> yeah, I think I think he is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, unfortunately, there's some visuals here that we have to explain, Brian. Yes. Paul E. is completely off camera for this entire promo. You're hearing him. I mean, you hear just a, it's a mighty fine promo for 1991 WCW from Paul E. But on camera, is it's a green screen with the Danger Zone graphic behind this gentleman. And he's staring down at the ground as Paul E. begins but when he says the Minotaur, he raises his head, shows us those eyes, and lets out a yelp that uh, well sent you and I both into hysterics a moment ago. <laughs> I mean, it was, uh, I, I, uh, yeah. I mean, it's just you have to watch this one. This is a like a must must watch. You got you got to see you got to see the visual of this. It's tremendous. And he he's, remains, like, for another minute, just uh, breathing heavily and sticking his tongue out and just moving his hands and uh, just, 
I don't know what the hell he's doing, but he's trying to look menacing as Polly attempts to put this guy over. Mission accomplished. Is that, or not? Is, that is that what he's trying to do? Because uh, I I was I wasn't quite sure if uh, he he was doing that or he's having some sort of medical condition going on. Yeah, he looks like he's trying to push out a dump. Is what he's doing. <laughs> a big fat steaming bull dump. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's the answer to your question. Which end of him is the bull? Yeah, well, yeah, I mean it's clear. I mean he has a human top half, so he's he's got a. Big old set of bull balls. <laughs> yeah, we do only see from the chest up in the video, so maybe he has the whole thing. Of course, yeah, I, later Mantar had had the top half as a, a bull. He had, the, had that big bull head. So I guess the Minotaur, which actually predates Mantar in the WWF, I guess he just had the bottom half, which was uh, bull-like. So this guy wrestled like in a fucking minotaur costume like what like how did they i mean clearly they're shooting him this way so you you almost at home you would think he has a bull half that they're not showing you but clearly that's not the case i mean did he did he fucking wrestle in a minotaur costume like i don't remember this guy at all not even a little bit he was uh, very briefly in wcw and this is not the first time we've seen this gentleman on the wrestling podcast of nothing brian we have that's not Jeff Gaylord, is it? It is not. Oh. But it is a man that we talked about when we reviewed international wrestling for trucking through the territories. It's a man by the name of Steve DeSalvo, a.k.a. Steve Strong. Oh, okay. We talked about him in February on trucking through the territories. And this is the guy that was going to save international wrestling or slash loot international after the WWF raided all their top stars away, he was going to be the top heel. And uh, he was a big lunk, as I said in that episode, and was just destroying the guy he was in the ring with. And uh, not a good wrestler. He's a minotaur. He's right. He's not a good wrestler. And a, a weak promo, which is why they, apparently they had Polly do the promo for him. But... Well, he just, uh, yeah, he laid waste wherever he went. He he, he just uh, underperformed. Well, you know, I can't imagine with getting gimmicks like the Minotaur how anybody could underperform, Mike. Um, but then again, it's really up to the performer. And uh, boy, I, I, I don't know. I don't even know what to say here. I, I know I want to try to find some footage of the Minotaur wrestling just to see what he wrestled in. I'm looking right now at him wrestling, Brian. Uh, what he wore, you're talking about the, the bull costume. Perhaps he had the, a bull half uh, of the costume. Yeah, what, what did he wear? Red singlet. <laughs> oh, WCW. He did have like some sort of leather sleeve that you could see in this promo over his uh, right arm. And it's strapped across him. So it looked a little funky, like there's a little something going on. But he just had this, like, leather arm sleeve that was buckled across his chest. But that was it. Well, that's what a Minotaur would wear, Mike. That's exactly what makes you a Minotaur. I suppose so. Good stuff. I will say Paul Heyman doing a hell of a job trying to sell this, by the way. He did the best he could. Uh, but uh, <laughs> it was short-lived the Minotaur, Steve DeSalvo, in WCW. Well, you heard this promo about nothing. If you want the full picture, find the link to the video in the description of this episode or at the WPAN.com. All right, Brian, we'll be back here next Monday for episode 168 
of the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. Till then, he is the brawler Brian Malonis. I'm Mike Crockett. Big ups to Mucko, and thanks for nothing.